0: Greetings, everyone. I'm Jeffrey K. Lyons, and it's Tuesday, November the 7th, and this is Narrative Wars. We begin today's program with Oregon's brilliant decision to define academic achievement in the Oregon high school system as no achievement at all. Next, the public relations Collapse regarding the COVID-19 jab has gotten so bad that the citizens of the deep blue state of New York are rejecting the third version of the so-called COVID clot shot. And finally, fake media buries the story of Speaker Johnson passing a bill to support Israel against Hamas terrorists. All of this in our new final segment, which we're going to call the Absurdum Awards. These stories and more featured on today's episode of Narrative Wars. I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons, and you don't want to miss this. We the sick Let's peel back the curtain of confusion to shed light upon the mainstream media madness. And now, Narrative Wars, with your host, Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired So tired Well, greetings, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons, and we're going to start off with this first piece about the Oregon school system. This is from Redacted with Clay Morris, and this is October the 28th, 2023. Let's give a listen to this. This is cut number one.
1: For the next five years, high school students in Oregon will not need to perform proficiency tests, show a mastery of reading, writing, or math in order to graduate. And this comes as the Oregon Board of Education unanimously voted to extend a pause on the graduation requirement yesterday until 2028. They're citing inefficiency and inequity. Joel Jones going beyond the headlines tonight to find out what this pause will mean for students. This is a controversial decision and one that's facing a lot of pushback. While some say the decision will lower state standards and cheapen an Oregon diploma, the Oregon Department of Education tells me this policy simply didn't work and disproportionately harmed students of color.
0: Now that was a piece from an Oregon television station, K-O-I-N, and it is being run inside the podcast, redacted, uh, provided by Clayton Morris, October 28th, 2023. You can follow the links in the show notes. So a number of important points here. Well, so what can we learn from this piece Well, for the next five years, the Oregon students will not have to pass reading, writing, and math proficiency tests in order to graduate. So as a former university professor, I taught communication courses for 10 years at the university level at three different universities. Uh, I wanted to say that I have also taught university freshmen, and there's not a whole lot of difference between a Uh, a high school senior and a university freshman in terms of their mannerisms and their interpersonal communication skills. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Well, what I have to say about this new move, this latest move in the Oregon school system Is that this is a brilliant move. In fact, I can't imagine any better preparation for college than not having to know how to read and write at the college level. This will make things so much easier for university professors uh, with, uh, you know, just throwing away academic performance as a benchmark uh, for getting into uh, universities. We can just hand out passing grades like candy and do what they did in Oregon. And so, uh, you know, we can just sort of bring everybody down to the minimum course prep. And uh, hopefully we don't have to turn in any grades for incoming freshman students either. All the students have to do is show up for class, uh, warm the seat and breathe, and professors can pass them on to the next course, just like in high school. Well, hopefully what's starting in Oregon is now going to become a trend around the country this way, the United States will begin to lead the rest of the world in low academic achievement. Uh, because after all, it's important that we uh, decolonize the United States, right? That's the latest buzzword, decolonize. So we need to rebrand ourselves as a country full of underachievers. Forget the fact that the airplane was invented in the United States uh, by, a, who is that, the person? Wright- Brothers. I think that's who it was. Uh, forget that fact. Forget that uh, we're supposed to even teach high school students, elementary students, that the Americans invented the airplane, uh, which changed life all over the planet. Forget that. Along with uh, the electrical grid being invented by Thomas Edison, uh, which uh, affected, uh, well, basically the entire planet, Uh, we should feel guilty now for not slowing down and letting other countries invent this cool stuff. Or better yet, just, hey, We'll kind of create it in our universities, invite uh, students to come, graduate students from other nations, and you can steal our ideas and reap the benefits in other nations. That'll kind of, you know, even out the plane and uh, make things better. Everybody will feel better about themselves. Well, this is the story. Uh, Here's another update. The Hill, November 2nd, 2023, in an article, Oregon just dropped all graduation standards in the name of equity. Well, there was a bill that was passed, Senate Bill 744, that did the trick in the state of Oregon uh, called Assessment of Essential Skills. Now, Uh, That is what uh, was the uh, rule uh, in the uh, 2021 session uh, prior to the passing of this new standard. And it was a requirement for high school graduation Uh, prior to the passing of this new law. It was required to, quote, read and comprehend a variety of text, write clearly and accurate, unquote, and, quote, apply mathematics in a variety of settings, unquote. Students were required to demonstrate these skills by, quote, earning at or above a cut score on the Oregon Statewide Summative Assessments Test. But hey, nobody has to worry about that anymore. In Oregon, they just uh, rolled that thing up and threw it in the fireplace. There is no more Oregon Statewide Assessment Test. It's gone So citing the effects of COVID-19 school closures. So, okay. Uh, So students got dumber because they didn't study. Those computers at home didn't really work. Those, uh, you know, uh, conference calls, Uh, On the uh, laptops and the iPads, that didn't work. So students uh, became less and less efficient. They weren't able to uh, hit those benchmark uh, standards anymore. So the solution, brilliantly, throw out the standards and uh, basically pass on a whole generation of students for the next five years who are going to be basically, who knows, four, five, six years behind the assessment That's basically what they've done to fix the problem in the state of Oregon. Moving on to our next piece. Poll shows limited interest in the newest COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, This is CBS News, New York, October 30th, 2023. According to a new Truth in Media poll, the interest in taking the latest COVID-19 jab has severely declined. Let's take a listen to this and see what we're talking about. Uh, let's listen to cut number two. New survey shows a muted interest in the newest COVID vaccine.
1: Only 15% of adults in our region have received this updated version. CBS 2's Jennifer McLogan asked them why. How do you feel about the new COVID vaccine? I had no idea that there was a new one. There's a lack of awareness and lukewarm interest in the new updated COVID-19 vaccine, according to a new Truth in Medicine poll. Just 15% in the New York area have gotten it. 39% plan to, 25% do not, 22% undecided. Hundreds and hundreds of people are dying still from COVID every day in the United States. Doesn't
0: get a lot of press.
1: Mount Sinai, South Nassau will take its Vaxmobile on the road, urging the immunocompromised and the elderly to get this third updated vaccine recently released and created to conquer COVID's latest sub You got the third vaccine? Yes. Why did you decide to go for it? Because to save me from the COVID.
0: So apparently they've got a jab mobile, you know? You don't even have to go see your doctor. You don't have to go to the hospital. You don't go have to go see a medical professional or go into your local pharmacy. They're making it really easy, and they're sending the jab mobile to your neighborhood. It still isn't working. According to this latest poll, only 15% of adults in New York have even received it, and you just heard that piece. A lot of people aren't even aware that a uh, third-generation COVID vaccine is even out there and available at all. Well, never mind that the first COVID vaccine had total indemnification. That means you couldn't sue them if there was any problem. You couldn't sue Big Pharma. Uh, Never mind that fact and that it was only rolled out under an emergency use authorization. Never mind that. Never mind that. Never mind that there are thousands of cases of myocarditis now being reported. And this has been documented by uh, many doctors, including Dr. Peter McCullough and others associated with the COVID-19 vaccines, these cases of myocarditis. Uh, never mind that the FDA still says the vaccines are safe. Okay you know i feel good about that how about you well apparently now that the government is no longer forcing the public to take covid vaccines in order to keep their job it's shocking i'm absolutely shocked folks people are no longer lining up in parking lots to receive the jab even when the jab mobile comes around to their neighborhood. Stunning. Here's another update. CBS News, New York, October 30th, 2023. In an article, poll shows limited interest in newest COVID-19 vaccines. All right. Well, this is, uh, it's underscoring the same information that it was a truth in medicine poll that found 15% of the people gotten it. But here's some more details about that. 25% say... Not, they don't want it. And uh, 22% are undecided. So mm, it does not look uh, like it is very promising that they're going to have much of a turnout taking the latest version of the COVID jab. Uh, in fact, according to Forbes, here's another follow-up article. November 1st, 2023, Pfizer layoffs confirmed that as vaccine manufacturer drives for cost savings. Well, imagine that. Pfizer's a private business. They don't want to lose money. So like car manufacturers, you know, when cars aren't selling, they'll discontinue something. They'll retool. They'll lay off people for a while. They'll bring people back. That's what car manufacturers do. And it looks like these Pfizer people Kind of doing the same thing. In fact, according to this report by Forbes, November 1st, 2023, you can find the links in the show notes. Pfizer is now laying off an undisclosed amount of employees after confirming it's shutting down its New Jersey facility. Imagine that when only 15% of the people in New York are taking this new version of the jab. And of course, New Jersey's very close to New York. Two other facilities are also closing. Uh, They're closing in North Carolina. And there's other layoffs planned in the states of Illinois and Colorado. So how many states is that? We're talking New Jersey, North Carolina, Illinois, Colorado. Hmm. Shutting down production because nobody's taking this stuff. It's not required anymore. Uh, Finally, Pfizer's share price was flat. Imagine that. Why? Because price earnings ratio. The earnings aren't coming in, so the price is flattening out. The pharmaceutical giant's third quarter results reflected a poor showing for the COVID vaccine sales in 2023. Imagine that. Narrative Wars is excited to announce that we just crossed the 4,000 download mark this week Yeah! yeah Oh, yes. Great job, you guys. Thank you for coming in the studio to celebrate. All right, that's enough. Several of you have been along for the ride for months now, and others have just joined us. As Narrative Wars is a new broadcast, less than a year old, we're still stretching out our sea legs, and we're trying new things. Thank you for jumping on board and being part of this program. Well, as we continue to create new content that peels back the curtain of confusion which is masking the mainstream media madness in order to retain liberty in america we must retain our freedom of speech if america descends into an orwellian world in which questioning the narrative becomes wrong speech thought crime then america ceases to exist as the city on a hill and a beacon of hope to the nations of the world well, we're not going to let that happen here at Narrative Wars. And you can add your voice to the conversation that stands for liberty and freedoms uh, that Americans hold so dearly. You can join us on social media on both Getter, that's G-E-T-T-R. Just search for at Jeffrey K. Lyons. That's at Jeffrey K. And that's Lions spelled with a Y. I enjoy receiving your feedback and reading some of your comments on the air. Again, you can follow us on both Getter and True Social. Just search for at Jeffrey K. Lions. And when you listen to us on your favorite podcasting app, please five-star rate, follow, and send our podcast link to two to three like-minded friends. That's how we continue to expand the Narrative Wars Posse. You are the reason why we do this program. And now let's continue. Well, let's move on with our next piece, and this has to do with the House of Representatives in the United States Congress. Now, this is from, we're actually going to run three different pieces, kind of back to back to back. Uh, We're going to hear a piece from CBS, and then NBC, and then the publication, The Hill. CBS News, November 3rd, 2023, uh, the article uh, or the piece has to do with Israel aid bill. Uh, NBC News, November 2nd, 2023, Republican-led House passes 14.3 billion aid bill for Israel. And from the Hill, November 3rd, 2023, Johnson's 14 billion Israel war chest DOA. All the links in the show notes so you can follow us. Let's take a listen to this. And as you listen, ask yourself, do you hear a similarity in the coverage of these three pieces which are back-to-back assembled together for your listening enjoyment here we go uh, cut number three
1: a bill that provides fourteen point three billion dollars in aid for Israel now hangs in the balance after winning house approval last night on this vote the yes are 226 the nays are 196 the bill is passed That measure passed largely along party lines. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has said that the bill will not be taken up in the chamber that he presides over. President Biden has also threatened to veto it. Some breaking news to tell you about on Capitol Hill. A short time ago, the House passed a Republican-led bill to give Israel more than $14 billion in aid. The vote was mostly along party lines, championed by Louisiana Republican and new House Speaker Mike Johnson. It sets up a clash in the Senate where Democrats say they prefer an aid package that also includes money for Ukraine. NBC News senior national political reporter Sahil Kapoor has more. Hey, Sahil. The House voted 226 to 196 this evening to pass a major bill that grants $14.3 billion in aid to Israel. It was Speaker Mike Johnson's first legislative test and he managed to keep for the most part his conference together, losing the votes of just two Republicans and gaining 12 Democrats for a bill that is dead on arrival in the Senate and has drawn vociferous objections from the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer as well as a veto threat from President Joe Biden, who objected to $14.3 billion in cuts to IRS funding from the president's signature achievement. Speaker Mike Johnson's standalone Israel funding package is dead on arrival after passing the House last night. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer called the bill a joke and pledged to kill the measure before it can make it to President Biden's desk.
0: Oh, no, the bill is dead on arrival in the Senate. Did you hear that phrase repeat a number of times? Very one-sided, this coverage. It gives no context for why the Speaker, Mike Johnson, passed the bill in the first place. I listened to all of these pieces in their entirety, and none of the pieces had the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, explaining why this legislation was passed. All they did was go on and on talking about, well, Chucky Schumer doesn't like it. Poor Chucky. Well, the president doesn't like it. Poor president. Oh, no. The House of Representatives is cutting $14.3 billion from the president's signature achievements. Money towards hiring those 87,000 new IRS agents. Something that, wow, how many of us in the United States of America really love that idea? A great idea. Not. What we just heard was very much one-sided coverage. No context for why the Speaker, Mike Johnson, passed this bill. Because we never got to hear him. Basically, all of these pieces, shilling for the Democrat Party, the mainstream, stream, progressive, left, loony media clearly bought, paid for by the Democrat Party. Well, don't you think that it would be of some benefit to ask Johnson why this bill and let the audience have some sort of balanced presentation of the facts? I mean, gee, if you did that, the audience, the American audience, might even think you're a real journalists. But nope, that didn't happen. No, that didn't happen. Why? Because journalism is dead in the United States of America. Well, surprisingly, and this is a real stunner, folks, surprisingly, I did find a cut uh, that uh, was out there and it has Speaker Mike Johnson explaining what the reasoning was behind passing this bill, uh, which is a single-subject bill, is something the Republicans wanted to do. It's a single-subject bill which funds Israel and their efforts to defend themselves. And I was really stunned because it was on MSLSD. So let's take a listen to this. Uh, links in the show notes. Here we go. Uh, here's Mike Johnson, Speaker Mike Johnson, newly elected. He's going to explain why they passed this bill. Let's take a listen to this. This is cut number 3B.
1: Regarding Israel, um, while House Republicans are leading on a propes, we're also leading the charge to support our cherished friend and And last week, in one of my first acts as speaker, we passed a resolution reaffirming our commitment to Israel and its moment of peril. And now, as Israel begins the next phase of its war, it's been kind of disturbing to us. I've heard Democrats uh, suggest that there needs to be a ceasefire. Let us be clear. We've been very clear about this. There was a ceasefire. It was before October 7th, and Hamas broke it, and Israelis suffered unspeakable acts of evil, as you've heard even recounted here this morning. Israel doesn't need a ceasefire. It needs its allies to cease with the politics and deliver support now. And that's what we're doing. House Republicans plan to do that. We're going to do it in short order, and it provides Israel the aid it needs to defend itself, free its hostages, and eradicate Hamas, which is a mission that must be accomplished. All of this, all of this, while we also work to ensure responsible spending and reduce the size of the federal government to pay for that commitment to our friend and ally.
0: So, one of the major uh, criticisms every time Republicans pass legislation, including appropriation legislation, because all the appropriation bills are supposed to come out of the House House of Representatives, one of the major criticisms, and we hear this year after year after year, that the lamestream media, progressive, bought and paid for, Democrat-run, lamestream, mainstream media... One of their main criticisms is, oh, how are you gonna pay for that? How are you gonna pay for that? So brilliantly, what they did was they just made a they just made a change to the budget. You know, okay, oh, you know, all that extra money to the IRS to fund those eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents take out the eraser, race, erase. We're just going to cut $14.3 billion, not million, billion dollars from the budget over there, and we're going to reallocate that to help our ally Israel. Well, they got already got the Democrats on record because they unanimously voted for a resolution. Now, a resolution doesn't hold power as a law, it's just saying, yeah, we think that's a good idea. Yes, prior to the passing of this legislation, this bill, which just passed a few days prior, there was a resolution that says, yep, we all want to help Israel. Okay, so they're all on board. They're on record. It's in part of the congressional record. The Democrats say, yeah, we want to help Israel. But when this bill went out, huh, all of those Democrats did not vote in favor of helping Israel. Now, interestingly enough, uh, there were uh, approximately fourteen Democrats that did vote for this. Two Republicans did not. So it did pass. And what happens typically is when when there are controversial bills like this. Typically, what you're going to find out is those are Democrats that are running in contested, uh, races. They're, remember the House, they have to run for their office every two years. So they typically are contested races. They're in states that are not entirely blue or even states that are red. And somehow they got elected to office. They're being challenged. They're being primaried and, uh, they feel that, uh, they are going to have a difficult time running for office. So if they vote for something like this, they can say, well, we were in favor of it. You know, look at us. You know, we, we we're great. But the deal is the people on the Senate side, the Democrats are going to kill it anyway. So it, you know, it's show unless it does pass on the Democrat side. Either way, they're down for voting for it, which is still a good thing. Now, the Republicans are now not falling for that old game that the Democrats have always been able to push. You know, the, how are you going to pay for it? Uh, I tell you, Mike Johnson is a smart cookie. Well, we're just going to take out an eraser and we're going to erase this uh, part of the budget that was passed and make a change to it. They can do that at any time. They're the lawmakers. They're the ones that control the budget. They can make changes to the budget. Perfectly legal. They can do that. Democrats are... Oh, they're uncomfortable in their chairs. They do not like that. You know, how dare you, uh, you know, take a whack, take a swing at uh, President Biden's signature legislation, you know, which uh, makes the United States of America even more of a police state by hiring 87,000 new IRS agents to pound on people's doors and to harass the citizens of the United States of America in terms of paying their fair share whatever that means. So this was a brilliant move. It's going to go over to the Senate. And Chuckie Schumer is so courageous. He says, no, it'll never hit the floor. He doesn't want it to hit the floor because he doesn't want it to go on record in terms of how people vote. The Senate, now again, the Senate only comes up, uh, they rotate. Okay. So about a third of the Senate every uh, two years is up for reelection. That's why it's hard to change the Senate uh, leadership from one party to another, because in any given election cycle, two year election cycle, only a third of the Senate changes, but they're very close right now, very, very close with uh, only a one seat majority. So the, um, and, and even if they were tied, uh, they would, they would have the majority because of, uh, the president, uh, being a Democrat. And so the vice president. President becomes a tiebreaker in the U.S. Senate. That's the way it works. Because, well, look, you're all smart. You know that. You know that is the way it works. So again, now Speaker Mike Johnson is holding them accountable. He's doing single-subject legislation. This is what he wanted to do, single-subject appropriation so that everybody can get on record for who's for it and who's not. See, if it's all bundled up as a Ukraine bill uh, and a Israel bill and then throw in there whatever else you want to fund, then, you know, Gee, everybody has can run for cover. You know, Democrats can say, well, I didn't really want to fund Israel, but look, look at me. They can puff out their chest. Well, look at me. I funded this huge amount for Ukraine. Uh, but look, if it's split up into individual bills, they can't do that. They have to go on record for individual bills. So Brilliant! This is what Matt Gates and the Courageous Eight wanted when they voted to vacate the chair, and they took uh, Speaker McCarthy out. They wanted single subject bills, something which McCarthy was not willing to do. So, uh, get ready to rumble! This is what we're going to see uh, as the uh, House of Representatives continues uh, through the new calendar year. We're going to be see more of this stuff. This is great stuff, folks. Uh, this is the best television on television. Uh, and uh, just watching the Democrats squirm and, gee, I don't want to vote for a single uh, uh, subject bill. No, I don't want to do that. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. And yet the law says that they're supposed to be, going back to the 70s, the law says that the House is supposed to put out 12 appropriation bills separating the budget into various departments of the United States of America. And so this is what Speaker uh, Mike Johnson is going to do. He's actually going to follow the law. This is what Matt Gates and the Courageous Eight, uh, including Gates, so the seven others that included, uh, that got together with Matt Gates, which I refer to as the courageous eight. Hey, this is what they wanted, but uh, Speaker McCarthy uh, did not have the backbone to do this. He didn't want to put out individual funding bills. So Speaker McCarthy is gone and Speaker Mike Johnson is now in control of the House of Representatives. Well, now we turn to our final segment of our program, which we're calling the Absurdum Awards. Well, if you're a critic of the weekly news cycle, then you would have noticed a new low in the war of words that has been dropping like birds on a weekly basis in the United States of America. In case you missed it, on November 1st of this year, the American Ornithological Society, and that is really a mouthful. That's the group of zoologists that study birds. Well, they came to a startling conclusion. There are millions of offended birds in North America. Responding to this frightening feathered fiasco, the American Ornithological Society, that's AOS, we'll just say, AOS for short, has put out the following press release, and this was released on November the 1st, 2023. Folks, you can't make this stuff up. Okay, here we go. Here's the quote. This is what they said. Today, the American Ornithological Society AOS announced that in an effort to address past wrongs and engage far more people in the enjoyment, protection, and study of birds, it will change all English bird names currently named after people with its geographic jurisdiction. The AOS will also change the process by which English names are selected for bird species. And this effort will begin in 2024, uh, and it's going to focus initially on 70 to 80 bird species that occur primarily within U.S. and Canada. Now, continuing with this quote, there is power in a name, and some English bird names have associations with the past that continue to be exclusionary and harmful today when we need a much more inclusive and engaging scientific process that focuses attention on the unique features and beauty of the birds themselves, said AOS President Colleen Handel, Ph.D., a research wildlife biologist with the U.S. Geological Survey in Alaska Quote, everyone who loves and cares about birds should be able to enjoy and study them freely, and birds need our help now more than ever, unquote. So who is Dr. Colleen Handel? Well, she's a Harvard graduate. She holds a PhD from University of California, Davis in ecology, and she's currently working as a research wildlife biologist for USGS in Anchorage, Alaska. Well, all I can see is thank God we finally identified this serious threat to the well-being of birds and this terrible injustice that has been placed upon our feathered friends. As Dr. Colleen Handel, president of the AOS, has so clearly stated and summarized, quote, birds need our help now more than ever. Unquote. Well, how is AOS going to rectify this terrible tragedy? Well, first, AOS is going to focus on renaming birds that are named directly after people. No, we don't want that. Quote, along with other names deemed offensive and exclusionary. No, we don't want birds to have exclusionary names. no. No, we got to write this wrong. Second, AOS AOS is going to create a new equity committee for bird naming. And the aim of this committee is to, quote, broaden participation by including a diverse representation of individuals with expertise in the social sciences, communications, ornithology, and taxonomy. Third, AOS commits to actively involve the public in the process. Well, since I hold a PhD in communication, and the AOS has invited people from the social sciences, and particularly to weigh in on this important topic of renaming bird species and rectifying this wrong, I am therefore compelled to make a following declaration. First, the AOS has stated that Quote, birds need our help now more than ever. Well, clearly, uh, this is a bold and timely and necessary statement. But I have to say, I'm a little disappointed because it just doesn't go far enough. There are most assuredly millions of offended, feathered friends out there in North America that are seeking some sort of restitution in this matter. I want to suggest a presidential proclamation Perhaps this would help to ease the pain from our feathered friends. Uh, President Biden could apologize directly to his bird brain constituents for the current state of affairs. Perhaps he could form a committee to come up with some sort of new curricula like critical bird theory. And second, I suggest that AOS should lead out and form another committee, a committee for reparations For North American birds, perhaps the small sum of $100 per North American bird uh, would be a good starting point. Scientists say that there are approximately 50 billion birds on planet Earth. And if we conservatively estimate that uh, 20% of those birds live in North America... Well, that'd be about 10 billion birds times $100. uh, We come out with a nice tidy sum of $1 trillion to kind of kick this one off and start the bird reparations fund. Well, a $1 trillion, it's an easy amount to grasp. Heck, we're already spending $2.3 trillion over budget in Washington, D.C. this year alone. What's another trillion in overspending? We could create bird retreats bird hotels, and special bird conventions where humans could come and propose other bird brain ideas. Therefore, in recognition of this premier foul achievement, Narrative Wars has proudly selected the American Ornithological Society to be the first ever recipient of the Absurdum Award. Yeah. Yeah, great job, AOS. Yeah, we knew you could do it. Because somebody's got to lead. Somebody's got to lead. Okay, so, my friends, as 2023 begins to wind down together, let's salute the AOS as we proudly raise a spicy chicken wing together in this land of the free and home of the brave. And that's a comforting thought. We close today's program with a portion of John Rich's new song, I'm offended. Until next time for Narrative Wars, I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons. It seems like these days No matter what you say Someone's losing their ever-loving mind It's like they're looking for a reason To have their fragile feelings Hurt every single time My country truck I gas it up You got your fancy Tesla hooked up to a plug I know you're mad, you think I'm bad Cause I'm breathing free at last And you're still stuck behind your mask And I'm offended, you're offended Let's all get offended tonight I'll order us a beer, we can sit down right
1: here And scream and yell and cuss and fuss and buy